When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive I don't know, this thing then glitched again Um, Boom, anyway, welcome back to another episode of Trapper Dive Podcast this is your host, Marley Moe, Jamal Forrest, man, in here with the fellas, AJ, Dre. Um, fellas, man, let me go ahead and unmute. Okay, make sure we good here, too. Boom, there we go. Oh, that's on AJ. Fellas, how y'all doing, man, before we get into our, uh, our guests? It's Friday, man. I couldn't be better. Like, shit, this is what we live for. <laughs> <laughs> the weekends, man. You got and, – and no, did you take off Monday? Because I, I know your job got you off on, on, on Tuesday. You ain't take off? No, I, I wanted to, man, because, you know, that's crazy going to work Monday, then we off Tuesday. That's the yeah, 4th of July, one of the stupidest holidays just because of that. <laughs> but we usually get them um, – we usually get them, what, weekends – Usually, I remember being like on a on a Monday, like in terms of the holiday, like the federal yeah, holiday. Right. We usually get them like on a on a Saturday right. or Monday or or Friday. I don't know, bro. Yeah, if it happens, um, if Fourth of July come on Saturday or Sunday, we get the holiday on Monday. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. AJ, what's going on with you, player? Cooling, cooling, man. Just uh, just chilling, man. Just waiting for several more weeks until we get for real, for real, but. Other than that, just chilling, man. Your headphones working, bro. Your your your, your, little, your Apple products straight. Nah, I ain't even I ain't even fooled it after that day. I just left it alone. Like, ain't oh, ain't bother, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, look, man. In the in the building right now, 
virtual building. I keep saying it. I don't know why I say that. But uh, checking in, what is it? Linnell Willingham, uh, 106.7, the fan. Uh, the, he hosts 95% of the, the overtime shows on 106.7, the fan. Um, Linnell, I don't know if you're back, back yet, but if you are, man, what's going on with you, player? I'm back. Oh, look, I always do this. Whenever I get on with y'all, bro, I don't know what it is. My phone is about to die, which is crazy. So oh, you had to go, that, that's, you had to go scramble for that charger. Well, you had to go grab the charger real quick. But no, nah, man, I'm good trying to get ready for camp, man, because this, this is going to be crazy. Hey, but listen, before we get into anything, bro, I actually – I was going to hit you up that day I listened. I don't, I don't know if it was yesterday. It was sometime this week, so it's Friday, whatever. But I'm listening to Overtime – and I need you to dive into this context. Did you say the commanders? Um, you're not talking, it was something where you like the NFC is open to a point where like the window isn't just playoffs. You said you're talking, you're talking Super Bowl out of the NFC. Look, my hands are I need, you caught me red-handed. Hey, listen, man. When I I'm heard, when I heard that, it. look, when I heard that, my jaw dropped. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was like, I don't know what Linnell, I don't know what Linnell is on, but I need to know what you were talking about. I mean, I look, I'm I'm here, I'm open to listen to I I heard the radio version, but talk to me about this window that you see Washington in. Well, because you you have a quarterback on the rookie deal, obviously. If it doesn't happen this year, I, I first of all let me jump to to the conclusion that of, of, of our conversation that we'll get to. I think Sam will do enough this year to prove himself to be the guy next year, right? But the one big takeaway I had when I was out there, OTAs and minicamp, this defense looks lights out. Like, to the point where, like, I don't want to get my expectations too high because there was no run fits. Like, it wasn't – like, you were just playing straight pass. Like, they didn't have to worry about run responsibilities. But on defense, they look so good to the point where I'm like, man, if they take another step forward, offensively, they're going to be at least a top 17 group what they're doing out there right now and the way that they're even installing things and the coaching points are different. Like you could just see from the get go, like Eric the has his stamp all over this thing. And we saw last year getting JV level quarterback play and the defense being inconsistent to start the season, they stumbled into almost nine wins. So in a weaker NFC, I don't think the schedule is as daunting as people are making it. Cause there are some teams on there that I think are fraudulent like Buffalo but I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think if they get hot at the right time, first of all, you got to punch your ticket to the playoffs. And once you get in, y'all know this, anything can happen. Realistically speaking, like, who the hell would really want to play Washington in December and January knowing the style of ball that they play? I think they have the formula to upset anybody. They beat the best team in the conference last year in Philadelphia, and they're still the best team. So I think they're going to make some things shake. Well, I know I wanted to ask, you know, to follow up on that. Like, how do you stack them up against the NFCs? I mean, I do think they can be better than the Giants, but as far as the Cowboys and obviously the Eagles, who everyone has as another Super Bowl candidate again this year, but how do you feel like they stack up with those top two teams? I mean, on paper, right? Like, I think they could beat anybody, but for Philadelphia, I think the big difference between Washington and Philly, obviously, is up front along the offensive line and the quarterback position. But I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical. Not skeptical, but I'm curious to see if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to duplicate his success from last year. He was damn near flawless. And the Eagles as a whole didn't get hit by the injury bug at all. So to get to miss that two years in a row is interesting. I think that may bring them back down to the pack. And then you guys know this. Once 
NFL defenses get a full year to look at what you're doing conceptually on offense, they can catch up to it. And I think a lot of what Philly did last year with their RPO stuff, teams are going to be able to hopefully match up better with that, and it makes their offense less effective. So I don't think the gap is as big as you may think it is between Washington and Philly, because I think defensively we may be better than they are, right? Like after the, the losses that they had this offseason in combination with what we've added, I don't think the gap is that big between Washington and Philly. Dallas is like the wild card of the whole group because they have the best player in the division to me and Michael Parsons. So that is always going to make you one of the better teams. And I think they addressed their biggest weaknesses, which was the cornerback spot opposite Trayvon Diggs against Stephon Gilmore. And then they didn't have a real deep threat in this offense last year. CeeDee Lamb started to emerge as a number one. Michael Gallup's healthy. I think he'll be fine. But adding Brandon Cooks, I think, adds another dimension to this offense that may make them a little bit more scary. But I'm curious to see how they handle the running back position. Does it make a whole lot of sense for Tony Pollard to all of a sudden assume a running back one role coming off the type of injury he's coming off of? So Dallas, I think, is fraudulent. Be straight up. Which I said all that to say this. I think they're fraudulent. I don't know. Dak Prescott will have a lot of pressure on him this year because if you don't ball out, I don't think he's going to get that extension that everyone thinks he's going to get. And Dallas may shock some people and reset that the quarterback position. I hope you're right, brother. <laughs> yeah, me too. It'll make everything better. Um, I think mentioned... we're the best division in football, though. Absolutely. Outside of the, the AFC North. I think if there's one thing about this division, at least moving forward, is that it's going to be like from top to bottom, similar to the North. Uh, very competitive from all four teams. So um, that's going to be one thing uh, you mentioned. I don't know. I don't know if this is, I know we talked about it off air, but uh, I, you said that you were at all of the camps, the practices yeah. and stuff like that. And um, I think when, first off, I'm sorry, if you're watching this hit that like button, subscribe button, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. If you're watching <laughs> or listening on um podcast make sure you hit that subscribe button as well leave a rating and review if you can uh yeah back to this uh you've seen those practices from from sam howe and, and yeah. the set from the, from the offensive side of the football um and when we start to break down this quarterback position um off the top like sam is in a situation like we broke it down at, at this point a thousand times already we're a couple weeks away from camp uh it's a it's a new opportunity for him it's an opportunity that ron didn't even see having for sam uh once the season ended he changed his mind uh here we are uh boom he has that opportunity when you look at his practices and you kind of been able to observe him his mistakes his the things that he's doing good the things that uh he's maybe even approved on in that short amount of time um what are your takeaways from sam this uh this spring and um, heading into the summer as we get ready for training camp. What are, what are some of your some of your observations now that you've been able to see him uh, uh, have reps and have days where his uh, QB1 mentality and, and persona is 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 standing out in practice and stuff? So you always, like, preface your, like, tra- your mini camp OTA evaluation analysis, but there's no pads, there's no pass rush for real. So it's a, it's a real controlled environment. So I want to preface all of it by saying that, but I think he handled himself as well as you possibly could. Right. Like I think what you wanted to see from Sam this spring 
is could he handle the load of being the quarterback one? And they gave him every opportunity to do that. He took every single first-team rep. And by the end of it, I thought it was definitely deserving that he got every first-team rep. Like He continued to get better each and every day. And it wasn't like huge jumps and strides he made each day. But I think the overall consistency throughout the spring is what stood out for me. What we saw in that one Dallas game with Sam that I think we all came away talking about it was like ball placement, right? him putting the football on guys to where they can make plays after the catch from watching this offense in the spring, they kind of started to tip their hand a little bit as to what their identity is going to be. You're going to see a lot of three and five step drops to try to get the football out of his hand quickly and get the ball into the hands of the playmakers as fast as possible. And I think when you're running an offense like that, you need a quarterback that's going to be able to give your receivers run after the catch of uh, chances. And I think Sam showed that, uh, all spring long, he had a couple balls pushing it down the field that even made you look like, oh, now this commander's defense was, like I said, was sticky. So it wasn't a whole lot of shots he was able to take down the field. But I remember one play in particular, he hits Logan Thomas uh, on like a corner route and he puts the ball over the head of the linebacker and in front of the cornerback that's behind him. And it was just one of those wild throws. Logan made a hell of a catch too. Um, and we'll get into him more a little bit later, obviously. But I thought Sam showed well for himself um you saw him trying things like testing windows to see like what his arm can do and what his arm can't do i thought overall like for what it was i thought he passed with flying colors but like i talked i wanted to go a little bit into their identity a little bit i expect a lot of quick game a lot of screens and i, I expect them to like eventually take their deep shots off of play action but they're not going to put this offensive line in compromising positions the way they did last year. And I think that was evident from the get-go. Like, they are going to be a heavy screen team and a lot of quick game, and it's going to be on these receivers to make Sam look better than what he may be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you – can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, do you feel like Washington has done – uh, a good enough job of surrounding Sam Howe if he's supposed to be QB1 with enough talent um, on the offensive side of the ball outside of, you know, just wide receiver, but at the tight end position, offensive line, and and even running back to, to be successful? I mean, I've been very vocal. Like, they sat on their hands this offseason in terms of, like, addressing the offensive line. Like, that is the big caveat and question mark because I don't know what the hell they're going to do up front. I don't know how they're going to get good looks in training camp because I expect the defensive line to whip their ass every single day. So I don't know how they're going to get good looks. But the other positions, I think they're fine, right? Like tight end, everyone was talking about Dalton Kincaid with their first-round pick, and I would have lost my mind if that was the case. What they have returning, obviously we were considering Armani Rogers at that point, but even without him, I think it was very evident, like, the most prominent connection during the entire spring was Sam Howell to Logan Thomas. Like if I had to, if I was tracking receptions, I think Logan Thomas had more receptions than anybody all spring. I think he may be the sneaky receptions leader. Like if you were looking to put like a prop bet up, just the amount of targets that he was getting was kind of crazy. Um, Sam and him seemed to have found a rapport. I thought Cole Turner did a nice job as well, making some plays over the middle. Um, the one thing that I noticed with Logan and Cole, they've got burst. And it was interesting to say that about Logan because he's not normally viewed as that type of receiver. Like, we we saw him in 2020 be a really good possession guy. And he made some run after the catch play because he's big as hell. Nobody wants to tackle him. But what we saw in the spring, he looks a lot closer to 2020 
uh, that he has at any point since, man. I think he's actually healthy, and I think it'll pay dividends for him. The receivers, man, they got four good dudes because Diami was somebody that was being featured a lot more, and it kind of surprised me. He was getting a good amount of first-team reps as well. So they got four legit receivers. I think they got three legit dudes at the tight end position. And then the running back spot, I didn't understand the Chris Rodriguez pick. Um, I don't think you should be trying to take snaps away from Antonio Gibson. He should be the biggest beneficiary of Eric Bieniemy coming over here because I think he's probably the most explosive dude with the ball in his hands on the team. So finding ways to get him to football. But y'all know X's and O's. When you have two running backs you can play, three tight ends you can play, four wide receivers you can play, the personnel group is that going to be able to throw at teams is going to be hellacious, and it makes it that much more difficult to prepare for them. They can come out in a three tight end set, clap their hands, and then – Cole Turner and Logan Thomas will line up in the slot. And now you're you're in a passing formation. So they're going to be able to throw a lot of different things at people, man. So I think that'll help them out as well. So so basically, Lennell, you basically said we only need the quarterback position to show up because you are confident in the running backs, wide yeah. receivers, and the tight ends. We actually just broke down the tight ends. And our biggest question mark was it's incomplete. I mean, obviously, you've been to training camp in, uh, or OTAs in minicamp. Yeah. You've seen Logan Thomas. And we've heard good things about Logan, but a lot of fans were skeptical that he, you know, isn't the same guy that we've seen in 2020. And then obviously, Cole Turner, we didn't see him a lot last year. But it, yeah, as I mentioned on the last show, I loved him at Nevada. I thought he did a good job up there. And I wanted to see more of him last year, but I think he dealt with the injury bug. But then who's the third guy? Like, I mean, I, I know you mentioned three guys. I know John uh-huh. Bates is the guy, but is he really one of those guys you can count on in the passing game? I think he's probably their best in-line blocker at the tight end position, so he has value that way. But I think they really got four dudes. Curtis Hodges looked like he put on, like, 25, 30 pounds this offseason and looks huge, right? Like, he is in the mold of that wide receiver converted tight end and, and has length and the run-after catchability. If he can stay healthy, like, I, I think they're going to find ways to use him in the red zone. Y'all notice, right, like they have a type at the tight end spot. I know y'all got a type, but y'all females, they got a type at the tight end spot. (laughs) They want 6'6 basketball players that can go up and and high point the football. And one thing I will say about tight end and talking about Cole Turner, he impressed me so much last year, man, because a lot of times with these young dudes, he's coming from Nevada to play NFC East football. If you scare, it's going to be put on full display right away. Notice how he was the guy last year when they had their attrition at the tight end position to where he's the one coming down in motion, doing these wham blocks, sticking his face in there. He showed his ability to be tough and, and, and work as an inline blocker. And that wasn't even his strength, man. Like, he is the best wide receiver on the team with that physical profile. Like, because they don't have anybody that stands six foot seven the way Cole Turner does. And I think him being healthy off the hamstring, like you saw in the camp, like there's some burst to him after the catch. So I think. They're going to be fine at tight end, bro. Like, I, I really like that group a lot because they can all do a little bit of everything. Now, I don't think Logan can block worth a damn. And we saw that in the past couple of seasons. But Cole can block, yep. Bates can block. And I think Hodges just has the mentality to where he's going to throw his body in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised by your take at the tight end position. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't really feel optimistic about that position at all. Uh, but I guess we'll see as training camp starts and you know, I know why the though, right? actually take the, place. The offense last year didn't feature them at all. Like for whatever reason, the Titans weren't featured. And I think that's a part of why you heard at the end of the season, Logan was frustrated with Scott and we heard his wife make comments and all that. Like that's why they weren't featuring the tight ends. 
Eric Bieniemy, they're coming out in two tight end sets, three tight end sets. We had a four tight end set on the goal line. Like they are making it a point of emphasis to use those dudes. And it shouldn't be a surprise if you see what they're doing uh, in Kansas City with Kelsey and the boys they got after Mike. I love Jody Fortson for them. Like, so they, they got some, they had some interesting pieces. And I think he's going to try his best to get the most out of this office with the personnel that we have. So, so let's, let's play hypothetical here, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say we're into week four of the season. Sam Howell's a starter, but he, he isn't, he isn't producing well. Um, I think I said week five, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say stats based off touchdown and interceptions. He has about four passing touchdowns and about seven interceptions. Huh? Oh, he's. And, oh, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'll stop you. If he throws seven <laughs> interceptions in the first five games, he's getting yanked. Okay. No so I, I just, I just want to know if you're one of those that believe that Sam Howell should just get to play the rest of the year, no, no. matter how his performance is, or should they also? Be, uh, be proactive in, in in getting in a veteran guy such as Jacoby Brissett. If that were to be like the hypothetical situation where Sam is throwing more interceptions than than touchdowns. Well, how has Jacoby looked? I mean, for oh, I was just trying. To, like, what what was Jacoby? What was Jacoby I, looking like? A professional, well? right? I think as advertised, like you saw. His arm strength is legit. Like, there was one play where he threw it to the back of the end zone. I mean, he threw it to the goal line, but it looked like he threw it so hard. My eyes automatically went to the back of the end zone. Like, he has juice behind his ball. I thought he did a really nice job protecting the football. The only thing, difference I see really between Jacoby and Sam is, like, Sam's a little bit more twitched up as an athlete, but Jacoby is, like, an effortless thrower of the football. Like, he has some really, really nice throws him and um, I'm trying. I'm blanking. He had a him and Dax. Him and Dax Miller had a hell of a rapport uh, during this OTA session. I thought he found him uh, on a pretty consistent basis. Him and Curtis Hodges were linking up a lot. So I thought. Jac- <laughs> I think he had kicked himself out of the joke, bro. <laughs> oh. Um, look, we'll keep it pushing till he come back. Um. I honestly think, like, to Dre, to Dre, your point, when you said something like Linnell thinks the weapons around Sam Howe are intact is really just that quarterback position. I honestly think, to add on to that, um, the tight end position needs the quarterback just as much as Sam Howe will need the tight end position. Um, it is true, and we've discussed it in our last position group breakdown, that this – group was just completely underutilized last year and like the opportunities that they had were either missed out on from a schematic standpoint or a quarterback who really stared down Terry McLaurin all the time like you don't really like it's it's an anomaly to have a quarterback in a system that like completely like uh uh both combined to neglect the the, the tight end position so I, I really just think that uh, Logan, if he's healthy and you get a, a, a Cole Turner who's available, like you have at least your top three who are going to be solid for a quarterback so long as the enemy is able to really duplicate, honestly duplicate what he was able, what him and Andy Reid was able to do in Kansas City. Like I think they really, those are the two positions that need each other the most on that side of the ball. 
Yeah, and that's why I say I was a little um, surprised to hear his you know observations on the tight end. It's obviously a pleasant surprise because that's what we want. And as we talked about, I don't know if the tight end group is bad. I don't know if they're good. Like we just haven't seen enough of these guys, you know, in the last year or so to say what they are, especially the young guys. I mean, after Logan Thomas, I mean, you have Cole Turner, who's only played one year. Uh, Curtis Hodges, he came in last year as a rookie as well. And then John Bates, this is what his, um, I guess he's going into his third year as a pro, but we haven't really seen him utilize much in the offense coming out of BYU. So right now, and I'm just I'm hoping that this group turns out to be something. But again, I just don't know because we haven't seen enough of them. But, you know, with Linnell, he has me optimistic. So I hope he's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think. Uh, I don't know, man, I just <laughs> I, I don't really I don't really trust trust those guys. But I mean, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think I think will really understand the offense better once these live reps start happening, especially when they Let me, have to go against Baltimore Ravens in training camp. Yeah. Uh, you know, having having those uh, joint practices is going to be a, a big thing for the offensive side of the ball, um, whether it be Brissett taking reps or how, no matter what, it'll be huge because even though they – I don't know what Baltimore's ranking was defensively under uh, McDonald, but they have enough talented players. I think they talked to And they, they're pretty damn aggressive with their defensive approach. I think that would be a, a great testament for how uh, a lot of these guys will fare with their Arab enemy system. Um, Linnell, I think when, when you disconnected, we were talking about Jacoby's. Um, and his his connection with Dax and and Curtis, um, but also AJ had asked the question after after you were explaining how he looked at at camp. You was he was explaining just kind of the the, the backup pre- excuse me the veteran presence on that roster with with Jacoby and um, being able to to come through at a. I would assume that AJ was was thinking we we'd have a losing record at the time that Sam Howe is underperforming. Um, but but him coming in and replacement for for Sam Howe for the rest of the season or presumably the rest of the season um, is that something I guess I don't want to mess up his question but I'm assuming is that something that you can see playing out for for Washington? It was yeah, it was it was more like, so it was more so. Do I think it'll happen? No, I think uh, it's more ahead, so me asking. Do you think they will ride it out with Sam Howe no matter what the results are from his play? Oh, okay. Or might yeah, they be inclined, depending on poor play, to bring a Bissett if if this isn't truly a quarterback battle uh, for Bissett to possibly even be QB1 week one? I think Sam going into training camp is going to be the clear number one, right? Unless he, like, pisses down his leg, he's going to be the starter. Like, I think they want to give him every chance to win the job coming out of camp. But once the regular season starts, the scenario that you were talking about, if he turns, if he throws seven interceptions in the first five weeks, they're sitting them down, right? We all know the the position that they're in. They got to win. Like, despite this cute quarterback competition that they said and them going against the grain with their decision-making at quarterback, they know they still have to win. Um, I, I don't see Sam being able to overcome that. And I think I'm going to start talking about this as we get closer to camp, like what his leash is, because I don't think it's particularly long. And I know that might contradict like their thought process because you only oh, want to develop him and all oh, we want to get a chance to let him be the guy. 
They got to win. You got to win at the end of the day. Now, if they're if he's playing okay and they're losing because the defense is doing whatever or they're fumbling, and I, there are ways, obviously, with football to where you can throw seven interceptions and it not be your fault. But, like, the scenario you're talking about is if he just straight up makes seven bad decisions in the first four weeks that may end up costing the team, they're going to pull it out. I, I don't There's no chance. Let's, let's let me, know, let me flip it. the question. I was just going to give a quick follow-up because mm-hmm. we, we kind of talked about it before you came in and we started the show. I feel like we really don't even know how maybe Josh Harris and this group is going to feel with going into their year as no. only with Sam Howell being QB1 and and having a veteran and a Jacoby Brissett on the roster. So with you touching on having a short leash, do you do you feel like ownership could could override Ron Rivera's uh, aggressive approach in, in pushing Sam Howell to be kind of the face of the franchise or face of this quarterback position for the organization? You're saying like once they once they get in, yeah. I I will I will hope that's not the case because I would just be more of the same, right? Like that's the reason we hated Dan Snyder because he was meddling with with personnel decisions. But this would be kind of different because these aren't his personnel people. So I guess I would give him a pass if he decided to get nosy. But I, I don't think that'll be the case, and I don't see the scenario that you pointed out being likely. Like I just. I know he threw that boneheaded interception against Dallas, but like, I don't see him. I don't see him being that aggressive with the football to where he's turning it over. Now, the one thing I do worry about, and y'all know this, like the way X's and O's work, we're running quick game. When teams start to get hit that they're running quick game, I wonder how DBs start playing these wide receivers, and then that's when you have the opportunity for interceptions when they start sitting on these short routes, which I expect them to do. After when you first play a good defense, like Denver is going to give them hell week two. I think that'll be tough for the offense. But week one against Arizona, like I expect the quick game stuff to be on full display, boost their confidence, riding high into Denver. But that's the one thing I do worry about when you run quick game is DBs sitting on routes and then you got to find a way. That's where double moves and things like that get worked in. And that's where your coaching and, and opponent scout comes into play. But they've got to do the best thing they could do possible to like be meticulous with their deep shots. Like they can't put the offensive line in the positions they were in last year. What are, when, cause we asked about the one hypothetical, but when you look at um, how's outlook for 2023, obviously I think, I actually think that you're, you're right. And me and Dre talked about this <laughs> before we went live too. Just, I, I, I don't think that this, well, I'm starting to see that this competition wasn't really a competition. And and I think that Jacoby probably knew that it wasn't either. Um, and because I, I, hope I don't so. I, I think I think that he I think that he saw the money and knew that he was gonna make good backup money here and like he may have a chance at competing. Um, but to that to that point, the reason why I bring that up, um, they're gonna probably do everything that they can to this point, and I think that he may have a short leash in the regular season. So I think I agree with that. But I think to this point, even through training camp and preseason, they're going to give every chance to how to be that guy um, once that season starts. But throughout this 2023, Linnell, what does – if if Washington were to renew or even new ownership were to renew in Sam Howell after the 2023 season, what would a success – what does a successful season for Sam Howell look like this year 
for that renewal to happen for that year two as a uh, as Washington starter. Oh, that's tough. So I think, but he gotta Ron have something. And, I think Ron and Sam are like connected at the hip as far as their like job security. So I think that's this okay. could be like a Ron Rivera answer as well. For Sam, he's just got to show clear signs of development, right? Like we have to see him grow throughout the season. You can't see him making mistakes in week nine that he was making in week three. So I want to see clear growth and clear development. They also have to win, right? Like, I know the offense has been – the last five years, I believe ESPN threw up a graphic when I was watching the other day. The last five years, Washington has been in the bottom three in every offensive category, if you, like, average the last five years. So, like, the, the bar isn't particularly high for Sam to cross. Like, he's just got to be serviceable. I don't even think the expectations are super high for him. With that being said, if he – Let's play a hypo- give a hypothetical stat line. I think if he goes 3,700 yards, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, I think he keeps his job for the next year. I think that's enough to say, hey, look, this guy has shown enough to where we should give him an opportunity next year. But I think if his play is like average and middles out and you don't really see growth yeah. from him – I, Something I that says future, future number one, like for sure, franchise guy. Yeah, like he's got to show he's the guy. And I think this is a terrible year for Sam to have this audition. And I think Washington had this in their brain when they decided to go with this. I don't know if y'all have taken a peek at the 24 quarterback class, but it's like eight or nine first rounders in it. So you don't even have to be in the top 10 next year, it feels like, to get one of these quarterbacks. So Sam's got to show his stuff. And I'm just not really thinking about that, like, because of mm-hmm. next year's quarterback class, you've got to basically say, after watching Sam for a year, he's got more upside than the dudes that are about to come out. Because y'all know what I was saying during draft season. You better go get that freak that play at Florida. I wish that yeah. I still am upset about we it. Were, we were discussing, yeah. Anthony, I been, that was the one dude I would have been cool with. If they had Richardson in this offense with what EB is asking them to do, I, I, would, I would start talking crazy. Like NFC – East winner by default because they're going to get I, I think the offense is going to be much improved bro but I just wonder what the ceiling would be if you had a legit dual threat quarterback like Sam can run a little bit but he can't run sideboard bro yeah. like so it, it'd be crazy to see but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah it's, it's it's crazy you bring that up you know like I I definitely wanted them to go Anthony Richardson as well yeah. um but they they didn't take that aggressive approach. But I'm even just curious with the fact that you know that you're bringing in the Sam Howe uh, to be possibly QB1. Did you do a well enough job of surrounding him with talent, even in this draft? Like, you use your first, your first two picks on defensive backs, and then you use your third and your fourth round picks on offensive linemen that you plan on redshirting. So... It's a bit confusing, man. Like you really don't yeah. see teams that invest in a a young quarterback and not put a, a, a bunch of talent around them, whether it be through the draft or even a, a veteran presence. Like they don't have a veteran running back. Uh, they don't have. I can't necessarily say they have a veteran tight end. Yeah, Logan Thomas been in the league for what five, six years, but he's someone who's adjusting to the position at playing quarterback his whole life. Uh, you know, you got Terry at wide receiver, 
but Jahad Dotson is still learning the game. You're hoping that he can he can reach a, a higher ceiling. Uh, Curtis Samuel, he'll be used more so as a gadget guy. But I'm just I'm just curious about, it. and I think once minicamp ended, you kind of heard those rumors of Kareem Hunt possibly being in the mix, and it almost makes you feel like maybe Eric Bieniemy is seeing that he's going to have to do too much teaching and, and not. And, and doesn't have enough players that can also help push his his scheme into into these guys' head. Like, how do you feel about uh, them possibly not being settled with the roster that they have in place right now and the additions of possibly a Kareem Hunt or Dalvin Cook to that running back room alongside uh, B-Rob and Antonio Gibson? Yeah, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I was – very critical of their draft, like at first blush, because I'm like the clear needs on the team were up front. Like your defense was a top seven unit last year. Like so to invest your two most richest picks at that position was kind of head scratching. But from being out there, like I think Quan is going to play a really big role in the defense as far as like, well, they're going to give him the opportunity to play a big role. Uh, we'll see whether or not he can handle like the physicality of run fits and things like that. But I think they're going to use both of them. So you technically drafted two starters. What I'm frustrated with is the lineman that they chose to go with. Like, I don't know what the consensus was surrounding Ricky Stromberg, but I heard a lot of good things. People were calling him like the center two of the class. So for him to be in a redshirt year, which is going to be because he was taking third team reps the entire time, um, is, is going to be interesting. Braden Daniels, when I, I talked to uh, Matt Miller from ESPN, like right after the draft and, I think we all thought Braden Daniels was going to get the chance to play left tackle, but he was like, he thinks left guard is the position he comes into and has a role at right away. During minicamp and OTAs, they were kind of flirting in between both. Like he had reps at tackle. He had reps at guard. I think we'll learn a lot more about the two rookie linemen when we get pads on and they do one-on-ones. I want to see them in that setting before I like really judge them. Um, but no, I, I completely get your concern. Like when, if you look at the way, the Falcons, for example, handle, handle their offseason and what they put around Desmond Ritter. Like, you get an A-plus for me. Like, running back, you added arguably the most dynamic playmaker in the whole draft. You added um, your offensive line. You, you added I mean, You already had Ritter. Drake London. Like, you already you had know. Drake London, right? You already had Pitts. Right. Like, they did what they were supposed to do. I, I think, and you may sound crazy, but this might be my Ashburn syndrome speaking. Outside of the offensive line, if you had to, like, make a checklist – of like prerequisites to drop a young quarterback in, I think Washington checks every box, right? Like you have a defense. I think the tight end room is going to surprise you guys. Um, the running back situation I think is good. It could be great. Um, and then I think I don't even look at the wide receiver core. It's just a trio anymore because I, I really am anticipating De'Ami Brown having a much bigger role in this offense. I think he'll be the organic deep threat that they have and hopefully – We'll see more production like we saw versus Tennessee. But at the running back position, it's interesting because EB was coaching them hard, man. And him and B-Rob, he was getting that B-Rob. So, But B-Rob is the type of dude, y'all can tell, like, thick skin, love love tough coaching. Like, Came from that saving school, man. Right. Yeah, he was pissed off at times on the field because EB was making them do things over. And I love the coaching point, but I think it speaks to the bigger problem. When you look at the running back position in Kansas City, right, if you look at how they've handled it the past couple of years, you would think Antonio Gibson should be in line to be the starting running back. I think you need a back in this offense 
that has the skill sets of a slot wide receiver and a running back. And I don't think B-Rob possesses those catching out of the backfield qualities. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable going empty and lining B-Rob up in the slot. Like, I know you have to because of tendency breakers and things like that, but that's not his strength. So the reason Kareem Hunt came up was because they don't – they have one do-it-all back. It's Antonio Gibson, but we know his durability over the duration of his career hasn't been there. So to bring in a Kareem Hunt, that makes sense because he's got that do-it-all package. If they get Dalvin Cook, you think I'm talking crazy now. If they get Dalvin Cook, it's, it's a wraps, but I don't think that's a realistic scenario. That's why I didn't understand. First of all, I was upset that they drafted the running back, but this is before I had this train of thought. But then they go with Chris Rodriguez. Like, he's not the profile of back that you need. You drafted, like, another B-Rob to me. And you need somebody that can make plays out of the backfield. You need somebody that can line up in the slot. He had a fumbling issue the first half That's of the enemy's guy, though. It's the enemy's guy, but it's like, all right, stand on the table for him. He got to make plays. Now I'm questioning the enemy. Look, so. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I, I yeah, never understand. But no, so I agree with you on the, especially the running back situation. I actually like the running back room, but I was one of those that wanted to draft a running back this year, but I didn't want a Chris Rodriguez type. I thought yeah. Chris Rodriguez was too redundant to be Rob. I was looking more a JD McKissick type of replacement yeah. this year, you know, because we didn't have that guy outside of obviously Antonio Gibson who can do it all. But I do think AJ's kind of diminishing the talent that's around Sam in a sense, especially the wide receiver group. I mean, the wide receiver group, I know you like to limit Curtis as a gadget guy, but Curtis is a hell of a weapon on the field. I mean, he's a weapon that any quarterback in the NFL will enjoy. And Jahan Dotson, I mean, the national people are on him hard. And when the national people are on somebody like that hard, who he didn't have like the, you know, biggest, greatest rookie year, but you've seen the flashes. People are expecting this dude to break out. And we've seen the flashes as, as fans as well last year. Like Jahan has star potential. Like some even thinks he has even more potential than Terry. And Terry's a beast. So, I mean, you you know, a lot of quarterbacks will love to have that wide receiver room that we have. Like I said, the question mark, you know, for me, obviously, is the offensive line. We all have question marks about the offensive line. But the tight end group, which I said is incomplete. But there is some potential in the tight end group. Even if I think they're incomplete, like I said, I like Cole Turner. I do think he's like an extra receiver when you put him out in the field. Okay. Curtis Hodges, I mean, the guy, okay. you know, they were looking at him last year. You know, he was talked up with Armani Rogers as guys that no one's talking about that could be something in this league. So maybe there is potential there. But I do think you could do a hell of a lot worse than Washington with the weapons yeah. that you have around Sam. The question mark is – can Sam take these guys to a level that we need to go to? I think Sam is more of a question mark than the talent around him. Because, like I said, a lot of quarterbacks would love to have the talent that Washington has right now. I, I, not only is Sam a question mark, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Eric Bieniemy's a question mark. I need to see if he could really handle himself as the play caller. Because this is different, right? Like, it was talked about. it. Like, I know he's involved in the meeting room. But when you're actually calling the plays, and it's third and four, and you got three minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and that pressure is on you. Like it's different. You gotta, you gotta show that you're about it. I think he will be, but I think he is like, he's the the connector for all of this. Like we know Sam Howell's an okay quarterback based on what we've seen. I think he could That's... have a career being a, a a legit backup or like a French starter. That's just right now without seeing anything else. It's gonna be on the enemy to put Sam in the offense in the best position to succeed. Like that's to me, the big difference between Eric and Scott Turner. Like you gotta, I expect Eric Benemy to put them in position to succeed a lot more. Um, 
But like but, I said, pause right there for a second because I was gonna say like that's mm -hmm. one of my that was actually one of my questions. You actually you stumbled into the answer part of the answer, mm -hmm. but like one of my questions because I'm I'm sitting here thinking about like the responses about how the weapons are what they are in Washington, I, and that's not the part where I just necessarily disagree. Like I I love the the the, the receiving core, the trio. Um, mm -hmm. I love the idea of Cole Turner. Um, I like what B Rob can do. No, because I, 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 I got it. We got to see it. Like, <laughs> nah, it's all seasons. Nah, all seasons are great. And, and I, I seen some of the stuff that he did on tape when he was in the games, but like, he only played 10 because he was hurt. Yeah. So I like the idea, Cole. Um, but then you look at, you know, what they did with the offensive line, and you have an unknown right now at quarterback. And I'm saying in my head, I really do, but I personally believe in Eric Benemy, but I'm not naive to the fact that I could be wrong. I think that's an honest thing to say mm -hmm. in terms of him being a question mark is that, like, you just don't know what you have in him. But my question overall was, like, this is a unit on the offensive side who were 20th in yards, I think, last year. Um, and they didn't score a lot, so they were probably worse than 20th in points. Um, and, and, and I think of, like, what is a drastic turnaround for this? Like, how how much better is this offense under Eric Benemy? Like, does this automatically shoot to a top top ten unit? And I think that's probably hard to expect from a team who was twentieth overall that's going into a new season with uh, 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 a new offensive coordinator who has new responsibilities. Not saying it's a difficult thing to just start yeah. calling your plays. You outlined some of the the, the nuances that could be challenging, um, but then you also have a question mark at quarterback. And you have question marks at offensive line. Like, how much better can these guys go in terms of like from 20th to X, like to a higher ranking in terms of like their efficiency? And sometimes that's hard to really expect a team to take such a significant leap. Um, yeah. and that's that's a I'm not saying that's where I am. Again, I said I believe in the enemy, so I, I think that this can be a top 15 unit, but it's a real possibility that these guys, <laughs> these guys still don't get it. I mean, yeah, it, that would be heartbreaking. That would it would be if they ended up not getting it. I, I do. I think the type of jump we can expect. So they were twentieth in total yards, but they were twenty seventh, I believe, in total points. Oh, 27th. So, okay. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I, I knew it was worse. Yeah, they were lower in points. Um, <clears throat> I think it's all going to come down to Eric Bieniemy, and I, I do have confidence in him as far as like what could be a realistic jump. So let's just say hypothetically they were 25th in total offense last year. I think they got to jump somewhere between 13 and 15. Now, if they do that, this is why I'm talking the way I'm talking. If they do that, I'm telling y'all, trust me what I'm talking about on the defensive side. If they can stop the run, which was like a question mark at times last year, like especially that Cleveland game, it really had me upset. Yeah. If they can stop the run, this will be the best defensive football, bro. Like, with their, they're just in such – unison on the back end that I think this defense will elevate them. So that gives the offense more opportunities. Like, takeaways was a problem for this group last year. When you looked at the numbers, it felt like they had more takeaways than they actually did because the type of ones that they did were, like, game-changing takeaways. But that was a big issue for them last year. So if the defense can continue to hold up its end of the bargain, I think it'll give the offense more opportunities to be successful. But what Eric has showed during OTAs and minicamp do what what's the old saying? Do it right, do it light, do it wrong, do it long. Like they are holding in on the never heard that really? one before. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a new one for me. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, but like their the attention to detail, like people aren't just slicing it. Like I was tweeting, like while I was out there, and it's like, damn, I wish I could take video because I probably think people are gassing it. He is not playing with people out there, bro. Like, and that's my style of coaching. Like, normally you see that like in college, which is why I can see him ruffling feathers with somebody. Cause he not he gonna coach Sam the same way he coached Troy Apton. Like he has no, there's no middle ground, there's no favoritism, and I love that about him. It's going to be what I, what I want to see is when we get to week three of training camp, second week of pads, does that mentality rub somebody the wrong way? Because I'll give you a little bit of insight, right? And I every time I come on here, I feel like I get in trouble for, for dropping too much. <laughs> so well, who after you the in trouble second, with? Who, nobody. Who now, look, well, you, well, not, not in trouble, but you know, they like the, they like the, they, they got the spotlight on me, man. They, they, they can't <laughs> So when it was after, I guess you'll have, it was after OTAs. It was after like the second OTA practice. There were two players, two starters on the offensive side of the football that I, I won't even, I won't name their names because that's job petty. And I'm trying to keep my little access, but they were like, <laughs> man, what was Eric talking about? Like, what, how does he want me to come back to the ball? Like it was, it was job, like one dude was, was basically venting to the other player. Like, bro, how does he expect me to do that? Like, there's no way. So, now that same player also was getting getting off during the eleven on eleven period, so take that with a grain of salt. But it just goes to speak to like, okay, it's cool to yell at dudes now when it ain't no pads on and everything is cool and we're in the honeymoon phase. But you can't be yelling at people if your stuff not working. That's that's what I wonder. Like, when does does it ever reach a point to where the, his act grows thin? And I ain't even trying to call it an act because he just him. And I love the coaching style. I'm just curious. I don't think it'll happen because I think the team is made up of the right type of dudes. Like, they're just a bunch of young, hungry cats. Like, they don't have nobody with a lot of ego. And that's because their leaders are, like, the most humble dudes in the world. So, they got a damn good locker room, so I think they'll be able to handle it. But it's going to get spicy at points during training camp. I expect a fight the first day of pads just because the mean, intensity I, level that they're practicing with. I mean, I think they they desperately need that. They've been, yeah. they've been able to just relax over the past couple of years under Scott Turner, and no one was holding them accountable. Uh, so it's like if those dudes buck back, hey man, you out of here. Cause right. uh, uh, unfortunately for a lot of them, they don't have guaranteed money and big contracts to where you can't move on. It's like yeah. they're they're in a tough position where they really don't have much say so. But or maybe not even cut, just like bench until they get yeah, the bigger picture. Because like, I mean, yep. at, at, at the end of the day, like he's he's trying to get the best out of you, and we've seen it work at a high level with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, <coughs> like, Vanell, you you tweeted you tweeted something during – it might have been OTAs, and it made me think that there was a – not an issue, but there was some back and forth between Eric Bieniemy and someone within that running back room. Um, it's And I guess maybe you even kind of alluded to it. I mean, yeah, you said one of the starters, uh, and they went off during <laughs> – during during it, so it made me think maybe it wasn't a, a running back, maybe it was a wide receiver. But I feel like yeah. I feel like Eric Bieniemy, being a former running backs coach as well, he's asking these guys to do more than they've been accustomed to doing, whether it be on a collegiate level or even take a Brian Robinson on a on a rookie scale last year. He he wasn't highlighted in the passing game at all. Uh, at Bama or NFL. I think he had nine catches for the season. So 
how how have you seen their like relationship uh work through OTAs and mini camps as far as them having to be more integrated in the passing game and running yeah. routes? He is it's tested their their patience. That's that's how I'll say. It. Like it's it's tested the patience of Robinson and Gibson. I, I'm not the only one that's, that I think has said this, but there was a point where and I think B-Rob even spoke about it during his media availability. Like he got frustrated during a rep because he didn't do it the right way a couple times in a row and the enemy yanked him. But it wasn't like a, I'm throwing you to the side. It's like a, get somebody else here that can do it right. We just te- you're trying to teach him because y'all said it like, that's why we were talking about Kareem Hunt. They're asking the running backs in this offense to do more than what they were last year, to put it in lamest terms, right? Like, you're going to – like, when they're running flare routes, like, you got to make sure you get enough width and you, and you get deep enough. Like, the little coaching points like that and, and honing in on every detail can be frustrating to a player, right? Like, when you've been accustomed to doing something a certain way for so long, y'all know we're creatures of habit. So, like, they're trying to break some of the bad habits that the running backs have built. And it's not bad habits because Randy George's not doing his job. It's just the standards changed. I, I, that's yeah. the that's the only way I can like the standard has changed, bro. Everybody's gotten that one on one individual hard coaching from Jahan to Antonio Gibson to the offensive line as a whole. Like the one scenario I think you're talking about, Dre or or AJ, AJ okay. was was it was a screen pass during during our mini camp, and the running back didn't wait for the blocks to set up. He just kind of got out in front of him, and he yanked the whole group. And was like, that's it's not the way we do it. We can't get it done like that. So yeah. this is after he already ran like 30 yards downfield. He called him back. So then they kind of like half step back to the huddle. He took the entire first team offense out. So that just it, it's not discriminating at all with his coaching. And that's last year was my first time seeing NFL training camp. And I played college football, so I'm used to a certain tempo. My college, and we sucked were practicing harder than what they were practicing last year in training camp. So, like, the tempo and the sense of urgency is different, which is why I think camp is going to be a whole different animal this year. Like, they're going to be – pads going to be popping. It's going to be high energy. Like, the competition level is just higher than it's ever been. But, yeah, I don't think if, – if you can't handle it, like like AJ said, if you're going to buck back, you got to go. Because nobody yeah. – my, my whole mentality would be we went eight and nine with y'all. I don't need none of y'all. We only went eight games with all of y'all, so y'all can all go, honestly. That's the mentality I'd have as a coach. But see, and what I like about EB's style is, I mean, even though, like you said, I do agree that, you know, if you're not winning, it's going to wear thin. But to me, it sounds like he really preaches attention to detail. You know, through all of it, it's like attention to detail. And I feel like that's been something that's probably been missing in years past. Like you said, he's pulling guys off a of half ass and running back to, you know, their spot. Or he's pulling guys for not, you know, running back to the ball or doing it the way or setting up their blocks. Whatever the case may be, all of that is attention to detail. But soft people. People are not going to take to that. You know, people who aren't used to that type of coaching, they aren't going to take to that. That's why, you know, you said he was on B-Rob and guys like that. And we talk about it. B-Rob is from the school to Saban. You know, Alabama, yep. those guys get coached hard all the time. So they're used to that. Like, I mean, I know Jonathan Allen, he talks about it all the time. He was like, man, we we came from hard coaching. This is what we love. Like, you know, so you want to see that type of attention to detail and whether that works or not. Because like you said, he has to call plays. That's a different ball game for him here. But I love the attention to detail and making these guys practice that over and over and over again. And the guys who aren't going to get it, they can go home. Hey, so, so Linnell, you, I know, I know our time is, is coming to an end here. 
but last year was your first year covering uh, training camp hands on. Oh, the I feel like I feel like Ron Rivera doesn't get enough blame for for the offensive side of the ball being behind because it's like it shouldn't be that much of accountability change if you have an offensive coordinator that's been there for three years and a guy who's only been with the team for three months. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just like everyone is raving about Eric Bieniemy and his presence and his his um, his his role in keeping guys accountable yeah. and doing things and, and trying to perfect things and the tempo. But Ron Rivera stick with Scott Turner for three years, provide him an extension in March of 2022 to continue calling – this offense. And I just don't think that we don't, I don't think that enough blame is going to Ron Rivera for assembling that staff on the offensive side of the ball. And am I, am I just being, I don't know. People call me a Man, we, Yeah, we do. We, we could Scott, Scott Turner should have never been hired. We knew. I mean, we never called those plays. But like, I feel like a lot of the beat reporters and even like the fans that might be on the internet and, and spaces, they don't necessarily blame Ron Rivera for sticking with Scott Turner for so long or even hiring him in the first place. Well, he, he deserves all the blame because that was his decision. You put a kid in a grown ass man's position. What was, you don't get me going on Ron. I love Ron. I, I think he, connected this locker room in a way that we'll probably never be able to understand because we're not in it on a day-to-day basis. But, like, the team really, like, loves each other. Like, that ain't a – that's, like, not even an overstatement. overstatement. Like, offensive guys hang out with defensive guys and all that. Like, I see them. So – but the decision-making that he's had, not just at the offensive coordinator spot, but look at their plan at quarterback the last four years. Even this year. <laughs> even this year. This is the it's dumbest – all, It's all yeah, – It's stupid. Yeah. It's the dumbest, excuse my French, it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. There's no way. You gonna get, he gets a pass, though, because he's a connector. And like like I said, I've been out there. I ain't going to accuse him of overworking. <laughs> That's one thing I won't do. He literally. <laughs> and we, we, we know that man ain't doing shit. You see my arms crossed? This is what, this is wrong the entire practice. Literally, he don't do it for nothing. Like Airbnb running running the team more so than him. Like, why you think they made him assistant head coach? Come on, bro. I think Ron. This this is my bold prediction, right? If it goes well, if it if it goes well and the offense takes like a massive step forward, I think Ron Rivera is going to step down as the head coach of the team. He's going to move into a senior personnel role in the front office. I'm about to say that's assuming new ownership likes him that much. Well, if they win, they're gonna love him. If they win, they're gonna love him, and they're gonna look at it like, "Whoa, he's taking a step back." Like AJ can't stand Robert Rivera, so he don't like no man. AJ cut though, yo. I'm already here, but now it's fair though, bro. Like the the planet, we I was doing a segment the other day, like DC Sports 30 for 30s. They need to do one on Riverboat, man. Like, what does he be thinking, bro? Like his point, we really went with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off the limping into the NFC's title. They came back with Ryan Fitzpatrick, bro. Like they was legit. Like that was their real live plan, bro. Like it's so that's because they struck out on everyone else. else. They they couldn't. They could have went draft. They knew they could have went draft. They They could have went draft. I don't want to hear that, man. They them (laughs) ignoring the draft. Their quarterback is is nutty to me, bro. Because we should have Justin Fields. Now imagine if we had his 
You're gonna be frustrated because now I would I would take his mobility over like a, a injured Ryan Fitzpatrick and a, yeah, a, a mediocre Taylor Heineke. And it was year two, so it's not like your leash was short. You just made the playoffs in year one, like. And I know, like the whole way the way they handled Dwayne is like, it's nutty. Now I understand, like I, I've heard, like more, more and more, like I've heard, like he wasn't handling himself like all the way right in the building. But like, bro, that's your quarterback. Like, work with him. the leash he had was too short. I didn't understand it. They cut him after some stuff they shouldn't have cut him. They for. They put it. a test in a in in a, in a in a game for him, bro. It's cold. Yeah, like what the like, hell is that? Like I, I ain't never heard. Like the more, it, the more time is passed on. Like I, I got it in the season. Like later on, but I'm like, bro, you telling me you ran a test with your starting quarterback, your young starting quarterback in a exactly. game when you could have uh-huh. just, you could have just helped him succeed if we're trying to win. Like what, exactly. what test are you worried about, bro? <laughs> yeah, I, I never understood that. And then like when they cut him, if they cut him, some of the stuff I'm hearing about some other dudes, they should get cut too. Like I, I don't understand, and I guess. Yeah. As the season wears on, we'll hear more. I don't know what y'all privy to, but it ain't all peaches and roses over there. But if they win, everything will be hush hush. But let them start losing. All all hell's going. And like now, I don't think they losing too much, man. Because you didn't told us too much good things about what's going on up in the mini camps and OTAs, man. I'm expecting eleven wins now. <laughs> yeah, everybody said except for that goddamn that QB right now. That was you know, it was crazy. That was that was uh. Doc Walker just tried to call me, man. I don't know what the hell Doc is talking about right now. But Doc about to give you some quotes. Well, hey, man, that, <laughs> that, that, that's, why, that's why I said people better hope that they get the hard knocks before regular season versus in season, or it's going to be ugly. No, I need. I, I keep telling y'all, give me that in season, man. I need the chaos. I need the chaos in my life, bro. <laughs> I just need hard knocks, bro. Give me some access. You know what I'm saying? We will never get that type yeah, of access man. here, man. They said they with <laughs> it too, so like, bro, come like, on overall, with it. Like, am I am I too hype? Because I got that feeling right now, bro. Like, and I I used to get like this before I started I, working in like sports media, where I was just a geeked up fan. I just feel like they gonna do some I don't, crazy shit this year. I I have a feeling. I don't think you're. I don't think you're too hype. I, I do acknowledge. I think. I think what what you're mixing though is like a heavy dose of. I'm waiting for camp to start, and like the more I think about it, the more excited I get about football. And you're mixing it with like what this team could be because of like the years that the the past couple years that we've seen them is like they just keep coming up short, keep coming up short, but they have something here, and like you're mixing the two. But I, I don't think that you're far off. I think that this is still. Hovering around that seven and nine win in terms of being a rational side of things. If you want to jump the gun because really? of the enemy, not not you, but if you okay. want to jump the gun because of the enemy, um, like a, a person, I can see them saying this is like an a eleven or twelve win team. I can't. I it's it's going to be impossible for me to say anything over nine wins with Sam Howell quarterback. Like it's just it's 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 just too much for me. Um, I think I, I like Sam. Um, and I, and I like. Uh, I like the, the potential of this offense under the enemy. I said it a couple times throughout this show. I, I just I can't say with a matter of fact, like this is gonna be some type of renaissance in 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 the start of something special with Sam Howell knowing like he failed to that spot for a reason. Um, yes, he's learning and, and he's showing uh reporters in unison that he's he's growing in his practices, but I can't take that leap to say that he's a franchise quarterback after some offseason practices. 
Um, I, I need to see more, and, and until I see more, I can't see more than nine wins. I can see nine wins with a with a with a very good defense and a solid offense, but you got you, you need more than that. Hey, but Mo, well, question it's is because it's because deep down inside, we all know when you sit back and and really sit with the thought of Sam Howell being the quarterback of this team and how it happened that this is so unrealistic and irresponsible of this organization and this head coach. <laughs> and it will. Bro, do y'all, are y'all I mean, seeing like these I, Twitter notifications? My Twitter notifications are going off. Like, ESPN is firing people left and right. Oh, damn, I'm for here. real? I've been Steve hearing that, Young, yes. I saw about Jalen Rose. Bro, Jalen Rose they, got fired? They, yeah, he got yeah, fired, too. They, they need yeah. to. Like, i seen... Keyshawn Johnson signed a five-year, $18 million contract. What oh, does damn. he Steve bring? Young still work for them? Yeah, Keyshawn is not even a good analyst, bro. Yeah, what does he what does he bring to Wait, Susie Cobra gone too? Yeah, but they but they Steve Young doing? They slicing people. Are they replacing people or are they about to shut down? Are they about to shut some channels down? (laughs) It's most of these people that are making millions of dollars and really not providing anything to the platform. Like well, they about to start hiring podcasters. Like I'm about to say, man, look, we gotta cross (laughs) off Colbert. She's been with them for 27 years. They need yeah, new they blood, do the commander's man. ESPN, ESPN thing. They just might as well bring Trapper Dive over, bro. But see, no, so ESPN been causing. Hey, no, on some real stuff, y'all, man. I got. I'm trying to be a more. I need to be a reoccurring guest, man. During the season, I need a weekly spot, right. man. We need you. First off, Vanel, we we, we, we need, need we need you, need you to dudes, get man. we need to, we need to get a consistent <laughs> schedule out of you, brother, so we can get you on a reoccurring. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> Come on, I'm here. My schedule is crazy. I all the time. My schedule is crazy. I know. But I'm but definitely was going to ask you, bro, like you were saying, are you too hype? My first question to you was going to be, when was the last time you was this hype? That's when I'll answer my question. Because if you say well, then that's like when I'm 2018 myself. or something. <laughs> I was last, the last time well, I was this hype was 2022. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I thought that was going to be nice last year. I really did not see Carson Wentz sucking the way he did. I feel <laughs> It's all right. It's all right. All right, let's let's re-ask it. When when was the last time before 2022 you were you were this excited? Um uh 2016, coming off the division title. Okay, so it's six year window. That makes sense. You know what I was you know what I was about another question I was gonna pose out. Um is what is the likelihood that Sam Howell is a four thousand yard passer? We haven't had a four thousand yard passer since twenty sixteen. It might be one of the longest droughts in the NFL. I mean, the trio's there to get it done. Um, yeah. You got the pass game there. Um, you, you got, got the yak guys. Because you don't have to you don't have to bombs away everything. Like get the ball right. they got in their hands and, and let them let them get your yards up. But to that point, um I can see I can see about 37, 38. If that's what I and 37 like. 38 would mean that he is good enough. He he doesn't reach that that hypothetical. Um, number it after four games, like he's just consistently solid or better. Right. And I can, I can see, I can see thirty eight hundred. But it depends. On I don't the think that's a stretch identity. at all either with his I, arm. I, I, I think it depends on the offensive identity too. Like what, what is going to be our identity this year? Are we going to, you know, rely on the running back core a little bit more? I mean, 
say they sign a Kareem Hunt or a Dalvin Cook, are they going to hand the ball off more? Are they going to protect Sam Howell a little bit more? So, I mean, I do think it's going to depend on the offensive identity, but if they are passing more, maybe they're more confident in Sam and it may be more attainable. Like I said, we do have 17 games a year now, yeah. so that's another game to add on to your stats. So maybe it could be attainable that he gets the 4,000. I mean, I just think, I feel like uh, as far as the identity goes, it was just training camp, so we didn't even really see them work on a running game at all. But it's a lot of quick game, a lot of screens. The concepts are the same, but I think they're getting to them in more creative ways, right? Like, I think that's what the biggest Eric Bieniemy impact will be is, like, I think they'll run the ball as well, too, but I just think they're going to get to it in different forms. Like, you're going to see the jet motion, fly motion, things like that. Like, so I think it'll look good, man. Like, I'm expecting them – to take a leap, but let me, I'm going to say this too. I think we should judge the preseason games more than what you hear coming out of practice. Cause I don't know how they're going to beat this defense in practice, but if, if, if it might look ugly in practice, but when you get against a, another team, I think you'll see it. Cause our defense is special. So it's kind of hard to judge them. AJ, how, yeah, I mean, AJ and, and Dre, we, how much was we looking at that goddamn offense in, in preseason, bro? Spe- specifically, both sides of the football against that Kansas City team. Like, yeah. we was, we was last on year? it, bro. Yeah, okay. last, last yeah. year in the preseason. Like, <laughs> we knew what it was. Like, they they didn't even look like an NFL team. Like, no. And, and I yep. think, now, like, the defense should be winning these battles because they've been in the system for such a long time, even with the additions of Emmanuel Forbes or, or Jartavius Martin it's still a nucleus that has been running this scheme for a long time, whereas his offense is brand new. It's three, four months in and only a month in total of actually on the field work, in a sense. So, yeah, if they're carving them up <laughs> in training camp, then you got a bigger problem with defense. But, yeah, these preseason yeah. games definitely going to matter uh, with it only being three preseason games. Uh, the first two, I think the first game is against who? The Browns? Yeah, I think the Browns and then Baltimore. Yeah. So they got I mean, a good schedule. Yeah, you definitely got to pay close attention to how the preseason games look and and see how Sam how, Sam Howe reacts when there's actual pressure around him. I feel like that was one of his major drawbacks at UNC. He doesn't do well off script and, and playing under pressure. Like, And I think that's a major component for a quarterback to be successful especially in this day and age. And you kind of seen some of that in the Dallas game. Uh, when when there was pressure in his face, he wasn't really staying in there. Um, yeah, so I'm just curious to see how it all looks. But preseason is definitely going to be a huge indicator for this offense and especially for a young guy like Sam Howell at the quarterback position. What I think, too, is they're just – because I, I agree. I do think because he's a shorter quarterback, Interior pressure, I think, rattles him the most. But they're going to do their best to not put the defensive position of where they could get a pass rush. Like playing – I used to play defensive end in college, bro. Like when you're going against quick game, like you can't really get a rush. So, like, I think they're going to they're gonna be running so much quick game that it's going to be hard for him to really get gen- genuine pressure all the time. And I think they're aware of that and understanding his weaknesses. But – the other thing I, I, I wanted to say, too, like, during training camp and during these mini camp sessions, too, like, we haven't seen his legs on display at all because you can't really – like, that isn't the setting for him to show his legs off. 
I think Sam is more of a gamer. Like, I think he'll look better in games than he does in practice. So, like, that's why I'm, I'm re- I already know what's going to happen. Like, sometimes out there, everyone gets one narrative and they all hang on to it. But, like, really? I'm not going to, like, be quick to place judgment on Sam in training camp until I see him in a game scenario because it's just different. Lanelle, bro, we can rap to you all day. Yeah. Um, but we got to get you – first of all, we got to get you a schedule, man. I'm I'm yeah. checking with you. I'm checking with you the, the weeks we need you on, so we can figure out figure out when yeah, we can get you on. Um, but by the time everybody listens to this, matter of fact, let me get the plug in first. Linnell, I want you to plug anything and everything that you got going on, boss man. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at n e l l underscore btp on uh, every social media platform. I gotta look at my schedule to see when I'm on next, man. I think I'm. Think of the next time I'm on is Tuesday, and then I'm on Fourth of July as well uh, for the junkies. So, oh Lord, they got you on for the holiday. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. that's well, a good I, you know, I get I clean up All every right. holiday. That's why, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> hey man, but look though, congratulations regardless, man. That's still like you, you making you making headway, bro. Putting your foot in that door. So you already know I'm rocking with you, player. Uh, by the time everybody listens to this, uh, this is the last position group breakdown for us. So we will be back come training camp. Um, but in the meantime, we got film sessions, man. Upcoming, uh, Kate, who is this? Uh, Ricky Stromberg week and um, Eric Bienemy, uh film session on the way. You can check out Cole Turner and KJ Henry on the YouTube channel right now. Fellas, um, AJ, Dre, uh, we out of here, but we will be back. We'll, I think we're going to, since we'll be like training camp, we'll start going live again. We can start going live again, checking with the people. Um, but yeah, with that being said, we out of here. Y'all boys be safe. Uh, enjoy the break. Uh, and yeah, we out of here. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gonna pick it up. You gonna let him hit the hole or you gonna cut it off? You gonna play through fourth and long or you gonna punt it off? Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.